Amen. We thank God for allowing us to be in this sacred spot just one more time. Uh, we never take it lightly that God has given us an opportunity to worship him today in spirit and in truth. Uh, there was someone who wanted to get up out of their bed this morning to make it to church, and because, of, because their health and their strength was lacking, they were not able to make it. But for some reason, God allowed you to be here today, and that's enough to say thank you, Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, we're uh, on a series uh, entitled, Imagine the Impact. Imagine the Impact. And I think God has called all of us, I believe God has called all of us not to just make an impression in this world, but to make an impact. It's one thing to impress someone, uh, but it's another thing to make an impact. Impact implies that you are giving your all. You're giving, you're, you're sacrificing something. You're, you're making a difference. And that's what God has called each and every one of us individually and corporately as a church uh, to make an impact. Uh, and this dawned on me just uh, a few months ago. I was driving past this restaurant that uh, I had stopped actually going to because the service was bad. Amen, somebody. <laughs> and uh, something, I, I looked out the, from the side of my eye and I saw a sign that said, under new management. And I said to myself, well, maybe I ought to give them a second chance. They, they, they're under new management now. Uh, maybe I ought to give them a second chance. So I wandered in there. I didn't tell my wife about this, so this is the first time hearing it. <laughs> I wandered in there, and I was surprised that the service was better, the, the, the food was better, uh, the interaction with the customer and uh, the, the waiters was better, and the, the manager was friendlier. And he had made an immediate impact at that restaurant. And it dawned on me that uh, when we as Christians, when we begin to realize that we are under new management, uh, that we were called out of darkness into the marvelous light, we, we are under new management under our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and that should make an immediate impact in our lives. But then also it dawned on me today that such was the case with a man by the name of Abraham. Abraham, in a real sense, was under new management. And I want us to turn to this particular passage of Scripture, Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 4, and we're going to find out what kind of impact this new management that Abraham was serving under, how did it make a difference in his life under the title, Blessed to be a Blessing? My eyesight is getting a little bit worse. I need to take my glasses off to see. Amen. Let us stand. On page 8 in your pew Bibles, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, we're going to read that together, and then Proverbs eleven twenty five, 
Uh, I will read that um, separately. Let us read together now. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Amen. You may be seated. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord will last forever. Now, Proverbs 11.25 reads as follows. A generous person will be enriched, and one who gives water will get water. Blessed to be a blessing. We're looking at the, the impact of one solitary life, the person of a man named Abram, who would later be called Abraham, the father of nations. What we want to ask today, under this title, Blessed to be a Blessing, what does it mean to be blessed? All of us have our idea of what it means to be blessed. What does it mean to be a blessing? How did God bless Abraham in such a way that he would be a blessing to others? Abraham never could have imagined the impact that he would make on his family and future generations and subsequently on the whole world. He never could have imagined the difference that he would make by simply doing what God called him to do. God promised to bless Abraham and, and make him great, but there was one condition to it, and that condition was to obey him. But before we jump to Abraham's story, let us come to terms with what it means to, to be blessed, what, what it literally means to be blessed. Now, in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, uh, this word bless shows up some 130 times. And three to, I think, five times in this particular passage of Scripture, this word is used. The Hebrew word is barakah. And, and it implies, brothers and sisters, that the greater is blessing the lesser it implies that there is an, an assumption or an intention of the greater, that being God, to bless this person in such a way that he, is, or he or she is protected, but also that their steps are ordered by God. And this is what we find in Abram's life. This is what God is calling Abram to, this word, Barakah is also, is also a, a, a root word 
which is berek, which means to kneel. And, and so there, there's some simulation there, there's some correlation there that, that the greater is blessing the lesser. And here Abram is called out of his pagan family to follow God. Now, this is, this is, a, is a big thing. This is a, a, a big decision that Abram is making. We look at verse 1. It says, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. The first thing we see God doing in Abram's life, God calls Abraham out of his comfort zone. He calls Abraham out of his comfort zone, He calls him from his home country. He calls him from amongst his kindred. In a real sense, he's calling and separating Abraham unto himself. Have you ever been called out of your comfort zone? And whenever you're called out of your comfort zone, that there's a sense of you're lacking some sense of control, you're, you're lacking some sense of familiarity, and Abraham is experiencing this, these things. Abraham was told to leave his country, his people, and his father's household. Now, to, to leave your, your country, that, that's one thing, because you're, you're, going, you're leaving from a place that you're very familiar with, and this place that, that Abram is, is leave, leaving is, is his home country. And now he's leaving there, but not only is he leaving his country, but he's leaving his people. He's leaving people who look like him. He's, he's leaving his family. But not only is he leaving his people, but he's leaving his father's household. Now, in this, in this world, in, in Abraham's world, we find that leaving your father's household implies several things. It means that your father is one who has all the possessions. He's, he's blessed. He has everything. And Abraham is the oldest. So when Terah dies, he would be the one who would receive most of the inheritance. So he's leaving his inheritance behind. He's leaving and I, I doubt if Terah even approved whether uh, Abram was, was leaving. I can imagine Abram sitting at the table with his dad, and he said, where are you going, son? And Abraham has to say, I don't know yet. And can you imagine Terah looking at him from across the table and saying, you don't know where you're going? And Abram probably said, well, God will tell me when I get there. And I can imagine Terah saying, son, this is a very irrational decision that you're making. You, you mean to tell, tell me that you're going nowhere. You're leaving my household. You're leaving your country. You're leaving your people, and you're going nowhere. Amen, somebody. <laughs> and so Abraham risked everything. He makes a sacrifice. He moves by faith. He leaves his comfort zone. And you've heard me say this many times before, there's no growth in your comfort zone and there's no comfort in your growth zone. 
So that there's a chance that if, if you're very, if you're feeling very comfortable right now, there's a chance. Now, this, this, uh, this, this may be based on what you're going through, but there's a chance that you may not be growing right now. But when God moves you out of your comfort zone, God begins to stretch us and we begin to see things in ways we've never seen them before. And God begins to show us something about himself and reveal something to us about ourselves that we never knew before. And we find this in the faith journey of Abraham as he walks with God. So God called him out of his comfort zone. In other words, he had to leave that which was familiar and pursue the unfamiliar. God may be trying to lead you to a place of, of greater service, of greater impact, greater usefulness for him. And don't let the comfort and security of your present position make you miss God's plan for you. The call of Abraham represents in a real sense, the attempt of God to re-bless the world through him. And so what we find here in Abraham's life is that he's become part of something that is bigger than himself. And, and Abraham becomes the, the one who God uses to re-bless the world. Now, keep in mind, Genesis 1 through 11, humanity has gone through a series of events. There's the fall of, 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 of mankind, Adam and Eve sin, and, and there is a curse under that disobedience that succeeding generations are living under. But what we find God doing is what one writer calls a corresponding act of grace. That whenever we disobey God, God, God doesn't give up on us, but there is a corresponding act of grace that God says, okay, I, I know that you're finite, I know that you're going to fail, I know that you're going to fall. And so God makes room with his grace to allow us to fall, to fail. We find this in Abraham's life that even though Abraham obeys God, through his faith journey, Abraham lies, he lies again. Abraham makes some missteps, and in and, and many of those situations, Abraham is tested by God, but also God has corresponding acts of grace to meet Abraham where he is in his failure. And I'm so glad today that God has corresponding acts of grace in our lives. There are times when we fail. There are times when we don't live up to what God is calling us to do, and God, in the sufficiency of his grace— meets us in our failures. Amen? The call of Abraham, it represents to re-bless the world. And not only through Abraham, but Abraham, as we look here, the second part of, of this, not only is it a call, Abraham call out of his comfort zone, but also we see here that God took the initiative to develop a covenant relationship with Abram. He took the initiative. Look at what he says in verse, verse 2. He says, I will make you a great nation. 
and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Look at verse 3. I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you. I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I will, I will, I will bless. God takes the initiative. Abraham didn't go looking for God. God showed up on the scene and begins to speak to Abraham, and God chooses Abraham to be an instrument by which he will bless the whole world. Now, we know that in, in Genesis, in the early part of Genesis, we find that God begins to, it, it seems to me that God desires to bless his people. He, he's always in, in the mode of wanting to bless us. God, God's purposes for humanity was rooted in blessing. Genesis 1, 22, 28, Genesis 5, 2, Genesis 9-1, all of these verses point to the fact that God's saying, I'm going to bless you in spite of you. And that's what I love about God, that many times he blesses us in, in spite of us. He, he blesses us because of his own goodness, his own love, and his own care for creation. God blesses us. But God took the initiative to develop a covenant relationship with with Abram. The purpose of a covenant in, in the biblical sense, the biblical sense of the word, is relationship and redemption. Whenever God enters into a covenant relationship with anybody in the Bible, it's God says, I want to develop a relationship with you. But not only that, God says, I want to redeem you and I want to set you apart for me. And so God had in mind in Abram's life, I want to be in relationship with you, Abram. I want to be in relationship with your children. I want to be in relationship with your wife. And I want to redeem you. But keep, keep in mind that Abram and his family are still living under the curse. But God has a plan to bless Abram and to pull him out from that curse. And so through Abram, all of the world will be blessed. God takes the initiative. He didn't wait for Abram to find him. He sought out Abram. He pulled him, called him out from a pagan family. You have to understand that Abram is coming from a family and during that day and time, they, they, they worship various gods. There was a fertility god. There was a moon god. There was a sun god. And Abram is the one who is called out of that to the true and one God. God takes the initiative in our life. We didn't seek him. He sought us. Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And so in many ways, uh, even to today, God is still taking the initiative to establish a covenant relationship with his people. Not only that, that's, that's just going a little bit further because I, I, I have some more to say. I only got 13 more minutes. <laughs> Thirdly, Abraham responded in, re, 
obedience and faith. Look at, look at what it says in verse 4. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. Abram went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Now, I don't think that God intended Lot to go with him because he told him to leave his kindred, his family behind, and Lot was his nephew. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abram, what I love about Abram is you, you, you never hear Abram say one word in this whole passage of Scripture. He never says anything. All we see is action in Abraham's life. Abram didn't say, but Lord, what about my father? He's old right now. Abram didn't make any bargains with, make any deals with God. There was no bargaining with God. There was no hesitation on Abraham's part. He simply responded in obedience and faith. And I don't, I don't know about you, but there, there's been times in my life where God has made it clear to me what he wanted me to do. And, and I never spoke up to God, but in my mind I was saying, but Lord. And there have been times I've hesitated in what God has called me to do. So in, in, in this sense, Abram uh, exemplified great faith. He exemplified great obedience. And what we come to see is that faith plus obedience equals blessing. You see that Abram, as one writer calls it, a long obedience in the same direction. We see this in Abram's life. There was a long obedience. He walked with the Lord in the same direction in many, in many ways, Abram did not see the, full, the totality of the promises that would come about, but he did see the promise that God had made to him that he would bless him with a child. And through that child, we would be blessed. Abram responded in obedience and faith. And this sets the stage for Abram to be a blessing. You don't, you don't see it right here, but you see the, the trajectory of what God is getting ready to do through the life of one solitary man. But most importantly, because here's the thing, Abraham, Abraham is not the, the main subject here. God is. God is the main subject. We, we see the, the grace of God. We see the generosity of God. We see that God, by his very nature, wants to bless us. And we see that God wants to bestow blessing on Abram in such a way that he will be a blessing to others. What, did, what does that say to, say to us in the 21st century? Well, in, in some sense, we are children of Abraham. 
And the church is made up of men and women who have been blessed to be a blessing. The church is made up of men and women who have been blessed to be a blessing. And what we find in Abraham's life is that there is a ripple effect of his obedience and faith that has made an impact on the world. And that when we obey God, when we obey God, when we are good stewards of the influence and the blessings that God bestows upon us, we have that same impact. We're able to make that same impact to be a blessing to others. Now, here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing I want to share with you today, that everything that God blessed you with is not for you. Amen, somebody. The extra cars, the extra possessions that you have, the extra money, the extra things that you have accumulated, the stuff that we have accumulated. As Warren Wiersbe said, he's never seen a hearse with a U-Haul behind it. <laughs> Amen, somebody. God has blessed us to be a blessing to someone else. And sometimes God wants to bless us in such a way that we begin to ask the question, well, Lord, who is this for? And when we trace the promises of God, when we trace the promises of God through the life of Abraham, and I like what, what one writer said when he looks at the, the term blessing in its context here, what God is really saying is that you will be a blessing. God's revelation to man came through Abraham and through his descendants. But God is saying that I want to be, I want to bless others through you. I want to bless others through your time. I want to bless others through your talents. I, I want to bless others through your sacrifices. I want to bless others through your treasures. I, I want to be a blessing. I want you to be a conduit by which I bless others. Proverbs eleven twenty five 25 says, A generous person will be enriched, and one who gives water will get water. I thought about a story that sheds light on this, on this verse. The story says, one day a man was lost in a desert without water. But he saw an old shack. He was dying of thirst. He knew he didn't have much longer, so he painfully made his way to the shack. Inside the shack was a little jar of crystal clear water set on the floor next to a pump. Flooded with the relief, he walked over to the jar to quench his overbearing thirst. And as he reached down to pick up the jar of water, he noticed a sign. The sign simply said, use this water to prime the pump out back. When you are satisfied, refill it and leave it for the next person who will come pass this way. 
he found, him, found himself in a dilemma because he was so very thirsty. He began to ask the question, what, what if I followed the directions on the sign and there was no water in the well? At that point, he had to make a decision to either serve himself, serve himself now, or invest and take the chance that deep down there was much more in the well. I think sometimes we find ourselves just like this man, that God has blessed us with something, and we begin to ask ourselves, then, what if I run out of this? What if God doesn't provide for me any longer? This story tells us that there's more where that came from. And what the man had to understand, brothers and sisters, and this is what we have to understand, that, that God is the source. And everything that God blesses us with is a resource. And sometimes we treat our resources like they are the source. Sometimes we treat our, our homes, our possessions, our bank account, our cars like it's the source. But your car can't wake you up in the morning. Your home can't wake you up in the morning. Your home can't keep you in your right mind. Your home doesn't give you enough sense to get up and, and get out and, and go to work or if you're retired to enjoy the retired life. But God is the source. He's the one that keeps us in our right mind. He's the one that starts us on our way. He's the one that puts a roof over our head. He's the one that provides the energy to do what we do every day in living. So my, my challenge to you as well as to me is don't get your source mixed up with your resources. Allow Yourself to understand today that God is the source, that he is the giver of every good and perfect gift. Because every now and then our resources remind us that they're temporary. The car that you drive, no matter how nice and new it looks, it, it reminds you that it's a temporary car. The house that you, you live in, it, it reminds you you got to upkeep it, you got to repaint it, you got to do some things, you got to do some housework. It reminds you that, that it's temporary. But God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. This is what I believe Abraham understood. But most importantly, Jesus is God's greatest blessing. He's God's great, greatest blessing to humanity. He's God's greatest blessing to you and I. And Jesus lived a blessed life because the one solitary life that he lived and gave his life on Calvary and rose from the dead, today we stand in this place because he blessed us with his love. He blessed us with his peace. He blessed us with his joy. He blessed us with his care. He blessed us beyond every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Jesus it's God's greatest blessing. The question comes today, how are you blessing others? Are you blessing people with some of your time? Are you blessing people with some of your talents? Are you blessing people with some of your treasures? 
Are you blessing people with some of your words? The church is a place where we bless people, not curse them. The church is a place where we encourage people, not discourage them. The church is a place where we speak life and not death into one another. Church is a place where people walk through the door. They want to know that there are some people here to bless them, to encourage them, because they've been beat up by the world enough. And they need to know that there are brothers and sisters within the house of God that's going to bless them. It troubles me, brothers and sisters, when Christian brothers and sisters begin to dehumanize, begin to, begin to demonize brothers and sisters on social media, when we begin to dehumanize people and treat them like they're not brothers and sisters in Christ, that should not be the case in the household of faith. Whenever we look at the life of Jesus, whenever we look at the life of Paul, Paul never dehumanized anyone. He never demonized anyone. He always took the high road in how he treated brothers and sisters in Christ. We have been blessed to be a blessing. Let's live it out. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. For your son, Jesus Christ, we thank you, dear God, for the awesome price you paid for us on Calvary. We thank you for the life of Abraham, the life, one solitary life, making an impact in the world. But it is through Abraham's seed that Jesus came into the world to bless all humanity. And most importantly, the church is his body, and we've been called to bless others and not curse. Lord, help us to live that out, be a living expression of that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.